Everyone knows that we're a part of something huge. This community is big and it's full of people who care. They care about themselves. They care about each other. They care about community. You wouldn't be doing CrossFit if you didn't care about yourself on some level. It's hard. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it because it works. You come to know the people in the community. Everyone comes for the community. And we all know that we have the ability to affect something bigger than ourselves when we come together to serve our community, whether it's a local thing or a local family or something national or something we want to bring attention to. It's a lifestyle. Lifestyle is not just about what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear, or what you do on your vacation. Lifestyle is this mindset. It's overarching chi. It's, you know what? I'm fit. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm here to help people and make the community better. Not just our community, but everybody. A paying it forward type of thing. Welcome to Glorious Professionals, episode 24, brought to you by Go Ruck Media. I'm Jason, here with Rich, and we're back for part two of our conversation with Jimmy Letchford, a Marine Corps infantry officer and former director of CrossFit International. In the last episode, we talked about his service and what led him to the Naval Academy and then to become a combat decorated officer in the Marine Corps. Now we're going to transition to his experience at CrossFit HQ, specifically as it comes to community building. Of note, we recorded this episode prior to CrossFit CEO's remarks that rightfully so led to his resignation. Our focus in this conversation is to talk about how Jimmy helped empower and grow the CrossFit community from the very earliest days. Let's dive right back in. Moving into your the, the next phase of your career post Marine Corps service at, at that time, how did you get involved with CrossFit? Yeah, so when I finished my, when I went on to my B-Billet, I went to the School of Infantry. One of my Marines, while I was in Iraq, is like, hey, sir, you got to try this CrossFit stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a look. You know, I'd always train my Marines. And anybody who served with me knew, hey, we did ground fighting. It was just raw, you know. And then one of, one of my Lance Corporals at the time had found this CrossFit thing. He was fit as all heck. And so he's like, sir, you got to try this. It's a, finally, I think he got the courage to go, sir, check out this CrossFit thing. So I go on CrossFit.com and I'll never forget that day that this guy was doing a bar muscle up um, at like a jungle gym. They had this video of this dude who did this pull up and he just did a like pulled up straight and then went over top of the bar, like in this perfect synchrony. And I was just like, holy shit. I'm like, that is insane. So I tried one of the workouts. I'm like, whoa, this was crazy. And so I started doing CrossFit myself. When I got to the School of Infantry, um, where as a company commander, I started implementing it into the POI for my company, my, my the program of instruction. And so I knew exactly where our Marines would be. I knew machine gunners would be at this range on this day. And this just 0311s would be doing this on this day. And so I made a workout program for them at each range. And so machine gunners on this day, they'd be doing this. And so for the 12 weeks at the time that they were there, they were doing CrossFit. Well, it got the attention of headquarters Marine Corps. Um, Colonel Brian McGuire at the time called me up in my office. He said, hey, Lester, this is Colonel McGuire of headquarters Marine Corps. And I'm like, oh, sir, hey, <laughs> felt like I needed to like pop up their attention. Oops. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, uh, we heard you doing a CrossFit thing out there. And I'm like, yes, sir. It's, he's like, he's like, what's your friend time? And I'm like, I, I, I don't even remember, sir. I, I like. I was just like really 
kind of perplexed of why this guy was calling me in this little office in on Camp Pendleton and how he even got my number. And he's like, this CrossFit thing's really picking up. He's like, we'd like to send you to a seminar and then you can write a report, let us know, like, how does this look for the Marine Corps? And I'm all like, I'm like, okay, sounds good. And uh, I was like, what's a seminar? Like CrossFit at the time, like I didn't know what seminars were. I was just following the workout. I was a Marine. Like it was just a workout program, right? And so I hang up the phone. I call my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, like the Marine Corps wants to send me to like uh, uh, like a seminar. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, seminar. They're going to fly me to Canada for five days. And I'm going to go and learn about CrossFit. And she's like, that crazy shit you've been doing where you're like swinging things and then running out <laughs> gym doors. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, isn't it awesome? She's like, yeah. And I'm going to be home with the two kids, right? Like, yes. Amazing. <laughs> so I fly to Gagetown. I meet, and that's where I met, um, you know, the, the, the staff at CrossFit. Um, so I met the founder, Greg Glassman. I met Dave Castro, Nicole Carroll, and a couple others up there. And it was just, Greg's like, kid, I really like you. Let's keep in touch. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds good. And so I go back, I write my report, things continue to go, getting ready for my next billet, right? Going on to, to command level kind of schools and things like that. And Greg and I were talking the whole time and he's like, I'd like for you to train for me on the weekends. He's like, I can't pay you. And I'm like, well, I can't get paid anyway. You know, I'm just, but he's like, come out and train some of these seminars. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. I called my wife and I was like, great, wants me to train. And she's like, you're shitting me. And I'm like, yeah, no, he can't pay me right now. But, you know, I think this is going to be big one day. And she's like, you are not going to be out in the field all week. And then on the weekends, go do that crazy shit that you guys do and like not get paid for it. She's like, we don't even have any money. You know, like how are you going to pay for like your travel and stuff? I'm like, nah, trust me, babe. I think this is going to be good. And so I did that for a little bit. And when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, you know, I had to take a regular job for a, a short stint so that we can buy a home out here and everything. But I was training for Greg when he started to pay, pay me and, uh, and Dave Castro and Nicole. And, and at that time, this was 2008-ish and CrossFit was really starting to get some steam. And we were doing, you know, one seminar a weekend. And then it turned into two seminars a weekend. Um, and, you know, Greg couldn't maintain that pace. Like he obviously couldn't be in two different places at one time. So then, you know, he started delegating people to do these seminars and it picked up real quick and continued to kind of grow inside of the company um, as this beast grew. So how's that transition like? Because I've done that myself. You go from the military to the civilian world and what was it like for you? It was a bit of a challenge for me. Yeah, it was. I, I kind of went back into that bull in the china shop kind of situation. You know, in fact, Greg used that a bunch of times. He's like, kid, you're like a bull in the china shop. In, in, in the Marine Corps, especially, and I don't know how it is in the Army, obviously, um, but it was just kind of like, dude, you go home and the job's done type of thing. It's not like, it's not a nine to five. You don't close it down at five o'clock and then come back the next day and pick up where you left off. It's like, <laughs> If it ends at 3, 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, and you don't have your sight count for your weapons or whatever it is, you go home at 3 a.m. and then you're back at 6 a.m. if that's when formation is, right? And so it kind of took that mentality into the corporate world. And like that, you know, it, it's it's definitely um, a good thing. And I think 
companies that employ uh, military people really appreciate. Um, and then there are other companies that are like, whoa, dude, pump the brakes a little bit. And that was tough for me to, to kind of catch a pace and start, you know, realizing that you're not working with people that might come from the same background or they have the same kind of work ethic. And yeah, it was, that was tough for me. Okay. So back to the, the sort of CrossFit HQ, I mean, what was it in the early days? I mean, what was the sort of vision besides just riding the beast? Yeah. I mean, it was very uh, underground, you know, CrossFit was a very underground, we, you know, we got the, the names, we, we were a cult, all that kind of stuff, but it was, people were proud of it, you know, because CrossFit was a revolution at the time because people were training long, slow distance on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and doing chest and buys and, and back on Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday kind of thing. And in comes CrossFit and just explodes the fitness world. I mean, just, and the people who got it, got it. And they didn't give a shit about what other people thought about them. And so it was a really, really cool time to be a part of the community. And gyms were, were opening up all over the place and people were like, I get it. I'm a CrossFitter too. And wearing their CrossFit shirts proudly and on the blog at the time, CrossFit.com, just people making relationships and community building inside of the comments, you know, just like Jason, you'd be like, Hey, I just did Murph for the first time, 53, 45. And people would be on, be like, dude, great job. Nice. And people, someone would go on like, Hey, I don't have a weight vest. What should I do? And other people jumping in and saying like, well, here's some substitutions, you know, and some, some scaling methods and just this whole conversation of the, in this virtual blog world before there was Facebook and social media and all this stuff, it was just a really neat, neat time and it was growing like wildfire wildfire i don't know if that answered your question but like i'm just kind of getting some like nostalgia yeah so the the general business model though of sorts is crossfit was there to support affiliates affiliates would pay a fee mm -hmm. to crossfit headquarters and crossfit headquarters would put out training and programming and from my perspective and i have a little bit of there, there's plenty of time between then and now to kind of look at it, but the the secret sauce was the actual community. Yeah. Or, or else what? You go to LA Fitness with your your headphones in, and and like you say, you're doing chest and tries on Tuesday, and you know you're 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 at New York City Sports Club, and you're staring at some screen on on a treadmill, and you you hate it, right? You don't know anybody. You're there with strangers, and right. so my foray into CrossFit was phase three, my MOS communication sergeant phase in the Q course, where there was two instructors named Blade and Razor. They were like, you know, they gave themselves those names and then they completely backed it up. Right. Or shit. I don't know. Maybe they'd been given it from their teams or whatever. It didn't matter. They backed it up. Right. And they're like, there's this new thing called CrossFit. It's going to make you what you need to be for your countrymen. And so yeah. it's, it's high intensity training. You're going to do 15, 20 minute workout for most people. That's good is what they say. Well, for us, we're going to do that. And then we're going to go on a 10 to 12 mile rock or a run or whatever. And then we're going to come back and we're going to do some more CrossFit. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Right. And it was just some fight club stuff. I mean, we were out there in the middle of a dirt field with pull-up bars and, and blade specifically to pull up his whatever F950, you know, the, the biggest truck that money could buy with, with the wow. biggest tires that money could buy. And he would just blast 
his music and it's really it's it's oh dark 30 in the morning and it was awesome yeah that was that those were the times it was exactly that it was raw you know people were doing it in regular global gyms as well you know getting a group of people and that's how i did at the school of infantry there was 52 area gym and i would do crossfit and then eventually one of the guys like hey man i'd love to do that with you and next thing you know there were no kidding 15 dudes in a regular globo gym you know swinging dumbbells and then running out two sets of double doors to hit a 400 meter run point and then coming back in and opening the doors and then going back in to do pull-ups and kettlebell swings and whatnot. It was, it was very raw and it was very, it was amazing. But like those small little communities, right? The, those 15 guys that turned into mine, like we didn't miss it. You know, it was, and we posted our times to each other on a, on a, on a whiteboard and whatnot. And it was just, that was happening all over the place. And, um, and that was the revolution, right? You had gyms opening up having these micro communities of 100, 150, 200 people um, that knew each other, that, that hung out together. They, they, they knew each other's families and, they, and they're, they're still there now. There's 15,000 CrossFit gyms around the world that, that have these communities. And, and it's kind of this like, you know, Jason, you said it, fight club kind of thing where it's like, it's like a nod, you know, like, yeah, I'm a CrossFitter. You know, you're a CrossFitter, you know, kind of thing. And when you have that kind of interaction um, between people, it's inevitable growth, right? It's an inevitable, <laughs> it's going to happen. You, the growth's going to happen. You know, when you have real interactions, I mean, Greg and still they, they CrossFit still does this, but you know, he always would say, Hey, look, we got to do the right thing for the right people for the right reasons. And if we do that, then this is going to happen. And so CrossFit, like its revenue streams are, the affiliate program and its seminar program. And that's really it. You know, there's the CrossFit games and everything, but like that's not intended to make the company money. It's just approving of, of fitness for around the world. And so CrossFit HQ, they, they support their affiliates. They support that, that um, affiliate community. And, and the other thing that like I really took away from that um, experience at CrossFit was you know, you go, look, we're not, we're not building skyscrapers. We're more like shepherds to a forest. You know, we, we, we're not like engineering all this stuff and saying this goes here and that goes here and, you know, and bringing in the cranes, but we're just making sure the forest is water and not pulling growth, but just help supporting it. So that, that was going to be my, my follow-up. You kind of answered it, which was how did you view, what was the vision for how you were going to sort of harness the growth that was natural? You know, for me, like I, I and everybody at HQ, um, CrossFit HQ, it had a different role and does different things, obviously, like any, any business, right? And Nicole Carroll and Dave Castro running seminar program. And it's, I mean, man, that thing is dialed and it is professional. And Dave and his team on the CrossFit Games, that thing, same thing, professional, dialed, extremely um, sexy for the brand. For me, like I was more a relations guy, if you will. And so I had my own CrossFit gyms and I thought it was really important for me to be an affiliate if I was going to be anywhere near CrossFit HQ. I wanted to know what it was like. I wanted to know what the hardships are and how we're going through. And like, it was important for me to, to know what it was like and which kind of leads me to um, being a part of the community is, was my my way of contributing to it, you know? And so 
being down at the level of the affiliates, being an affiliate myself, going to affiliate events and just embedding myself in the community um, as a CrossFit HQ representative was, I think, the greatest contribution I could have given. I mean, in a little fun story, earlier this year, Em and I went to Paris and we were there and we linked up with the folks at CrossFit Louvre and we're, at, we're uh, having some beers with them afterwards. And your name just has a way of, oh yeah, Jimmy. He's like, Jimmy. And I heard so many stories about Jimmy, right? And then, you know, to protect the guilty, I won't, I won't share all of them here or anything. But, yeah. um, but, you know, every affiliate that I've ever met that's been around a little bit, they all know you and, and love you. Right. I mean, there, there was a clear connection that you had made with people in support of them. And I think that all, all along, I mean, the community has been the secret sauce and yet community building is not something that bean counters in a business sit and say, oh yeah, this is great for business. Let me allocate resources to, to interpersonal relationships or to supporting the community or to having someone who's going to make phone calls or go visit some, someone or, Presence implies interest. Sometimes you got to show up, stuff like right. that. I mean, right. so what was that like to, as there's so many affiliates and you're kind of, whatever your role, I mean, what was your role in that? I, you know, like that, thank you, first off. And uh, like, I don't know, like I just loved, and I love being around people and stuff. I love the CrossFit affiliate community. Um, for all that they're doing, these are, you know, a lot of these gym owners are former business owners, lawyers, doctors, no kidding, that would leave their, their, their craft, their practice, and then jump over to help other people because they love CrossFit themselves or it's impacted them or they, you know, they're been pulled off the diabetes, you know, spectrum and medicine and, and whatnot. Now they're, they're healthy and you're like, dude, I gotta do this for other people. Um, but like just being a part of a, an amazing community, I've met some great people and I know who you're talking about in, in France, that is a great group of individuals and they are representative of so many other communities in places I've been in Arkansas and Spain and Germany and whatnot. And so I, I don't look my whole ethos for just how I do things in, in whether it was for CrossFit or for others, just like you got to give, like you get what you give in life. And that's really like, if you give love and you give support and you just give it away, it comes back to you in spades. And I, I try to do that. I try to do that at CrossFit and I, I try to do it in my current life and I, in, in my family and everything. And it's, it's worked out well for us. And like, will I be rich for it? I don't know. I, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm rich with love. You know what I mean? And he, um, Chris Stapleton says it best, man. It's probably my favorite song. And like my daughter singing to me, it's just like, he sings this millionaire song. Yeah, I'm a millionaire because of it. I'm a millionaire because I have love. And, and it's just, it's, it'll be my greatest legacy, I guess. I don't, I don't know. We still have a lot left to write, Jimmy. All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's not go riding off into the sunset yet. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> okay, so I've got so I've got a this is just something that has always kind of fascinated me about the CrossFit business model and then combine it on the community building side. So bear with me for just just a minute, right? So the community building that 
I've been a part of, I mean, Green Berets are teachers, right? You, you work by, with, and through local forces. That's your sort of community. That's, that's an add-on to your team community. Now, there's a lot of stringent processes that you go through to do that. Special forces assessment, selection, everybody gets to be kind of on the same page, right? There's quality control of sorts at, at the highest levels. Now, marry this up with kind of doctrine for franchising anything. So take Chick-fil-A or take In-N-Out or take, you know, places that we, it used to be McDonald's is kind of the, the V one that's up here where you say, Hey, McDonald's will tell you exactly how to be McDonald's. And that's, that's sort of what, you know, Chick-fil-A might be a slightly better example right now. I mean, if Chick-fil-A were running the coronavirus testing and stuff, it'd be going pretty well, I think. Right. Right. (laughs) You know? Um, so when, when you kind of marry these up, like this, this idea of CrossFit as community bottoms up. I mean, you came into CrossFit the same way I did in the military and Mm -hmm. like you didn't owe CrossFit a dime for doing it. And then CrossFit comes out with, with seminars and you go through a seminar and you become a level one certified trainer. And that gives you the right to become an, an affiliate, right? So the challenge that I see looking at just kind of doctrine is you've got some wide disparity in terms of experience in training others and in how that's going to kind of translate to the com- at, the, at the community level because the CrossFit brand becomes attached to everything. Right. So it's, it's a different way. And I've read, I've read Greg Glassman's response that, you know, the, the market will decide and obviously the market will decide. I'm just wondering if you have any insight on how that actually played out and what, what the challenges are when you've got a broad array of, of CrossFit owners. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, it's, it's grown exponentially every year, you know, because of the hands-off approach and, you know, like the, the, the McDonald's types or the, the mentality of McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, those types of, of brands. I mean, they do things right from a brand standpoint, you know, and Chick-fil-A, man, like that is an amazing sandwich, but anyway, on the flip side and how CrossFit does is like, look, Greg's a uh, Machiavellian, if you will, right? He, he doesn't want people telling him what to do. And he tried to build a program and has built a program that he would be a part of. And so like, he doesn't want some big brand to tell him what time to open the doors and how to brand, you know, the shirts and, um, you know, what they should be charging and put all these kind of restrictions on it. He says like, look, I'm going to build the market. I'm going to have the training program. I'm going to, the brands will be CrossFit and I will protect my affiliates. And if you want to be a part of it, great, you know, and here are your left and right lateral limits of what you can do as being an affiliate and go off to the races and succeed. I'm not going to take other than your affiliation fee, which is pretty minimal every year. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to look at your books. I'm not going to take a first portion of your, your profits, go out, get rich, prosper, you know, enjoy it the way you're going to enjoy it. I just want my program to make people healthy. And like, that's been the beacon, um, health and wellness the entire time. And Harvard Business School did a case study on CrossFit five years ago. And it keeps going back because of this is so unlike anything they see. You know, they, it's just, how is this possible? You know, because they do, that's how the Harvard Business School works. They, 
most of its case studies and discussion and, and, and read these case studies about businesses and they bring the business owners in um, to discuss what's worked for them. Do you take investment capital? Do you, do you not? You know, how, what did you marketing? How are the, what's the growth look like? Is this sustainable? What is your uh, succession plan and all these things? And like, they look at CrossFit and it's been so exciting to these business school kids because they're like, this is so not possible, but it's working. You know? Yeah, that's fascinating. So on the community side, I mean, you, you got a heart of gold, man, and it's clear how much you just love the people in the community. How, what are the takeaways? I mean, how do you do community at a grassroots level, which if the programming sucks and the seminars suck, then it doesn't, the, the community will wither. It, it just, right. it will go somewhere else where it's better. You're coming at it almost from the ground up, though. What are your takeaways? Because I believe in community-driven, grassroots-style marketing. Yeah. There's a lot of magic in there. And you came to, to be at CrossFit for 11 years. Is that right? 12 years? Yeah, 12 years, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and so you saw a rocket ship of growth you saw the community explode and, and continue to grow. I mean, if, so if, if you're going to stand up at, at Harvard Business School and say, here's my kind of doctrine on community-based grassroots guerrilla marketing, I mean, what is it? Look, building community is, and I, and I think you know the answer to this, but I, I appreciate you asking me. I mean, like, look, people want to be around other people. Like, they don't want to be around assholes. They want to be around people that care about what they care about, you know, and they want to, they want to have authentic relationships around something that is authentic, you know, and CrossFit's very authentic. It, it, it could be raw. It could be, especially in the earlier days, it looked raw, you know, it's not crazy polished, but it works. You know what I mean? And, and people rallied around that, the authenticity of it. And the, the, the matter of fact that the brand took that said like, look, we don't give a shit if there's a food pyramid. This is bad for you. And this is, this is how everyone should be eating. Really, the, the whole paleo way of eating spawned from CrossFit. And, and the, the largest voices in the paleo community spawned from CrossFit. But like I'm kind of going on a tangent there. Look, building the community needs, and any community it is, is like you just got to have a, one, a relationship you know, with one person. And then have a and make it authentic and continue to have that authenticity and that relationship with others and let them do it too. When we were originally talking, and I'm not going to bring up the brand name, but um, I went when I was selling, I call it selling sponsorships for the CrossFit Games because that's what it was. In as a matter of fact, was that no one knew what CrossFit was, and I was calling up friends that were doing very well in their own worlds and everything and i'm like man trust me this is going to be big one day and some brands got it and they, they got on that rocket ship and done, have done very well with the crossfit um community and, and, and games and, and whatnot but there were some brands one major one that is on you know is is a public company and in a very large room i was giving them a brief on on um, crossfit and they asked me something very similar to this and they're like, we just want to get back to grassroots. And everyone talks about like, we want to get back to grassroots. And the truth is, is that you can never get back to grassroots. You either are or you're not, you know? And so like, 
you grow grassroots and you continue to grow if it is grassroots and you just try not to screw it up, you know, but you never can go back to being grassroots because it just doesn't happen like that. You know, like you can't just snap your fingers and be like, all right, we're going to be authentic and we're going to have all these great relationships and we're going to do things because it's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? It just doesn't happen. And so long-winded answer to your question is just like authenticity and relationships, you know? What would you say? And and by the way, that's exactly right. I mean, from our experience, you don't, you don't make it and then decide to care about people that helped you along the way, right? Yeah. It's you, you either are bringing people along with you or there's a different way to build, which is you, you go into isolation and you create something and you show up and people buy it. I mean, I'm not knocking that kind of a business. I'm also, I think the word community has been completely whored out though. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a word that is, that has taken on too many meanings. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, a community has to have some type of shared values and shared time in the real world. And you know, you have a, a real connection and people yeah. are saying, oh, well, we're an online community. Like, ah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I get that, man. There's gotta be meaning. You know, you've done it at GoRock, Jason. Like what you guys build over there is a fantastic grassroots community. And you have micro communities that get together and they rock together and they train together because they they want to be fit and they want to be outdoors and they want to challenge themselves and, and be better, you know, and that's, you can build a community around something like that. You can build a community around service. And I'm not just talking military service or first responder service, but you can build it around contributing to the local homeless population or, you know, cleaning up the beaches or just volunteer wrestling coach like you can build communities around that because they have purpose they have real substance to them but i agree with you that the word community gets hoard out pretty significantly and especially right now and i don't i'm I'm not going to get into the politics of anything but you can see it so what would you say your high was uh, within the crossfit community that moment where you're kind of standing on the mountain and you Every once in a while, you give yourself those moments, right? We're like, man, this is just really, really awesome. Wow, that's a that that was a curveball. Um, when I got to run this international program, and what that was, like, I got to be around other great leaders in their local countries. Is really what that was. It wasn't really even a job. It was pretty just awesome. The guys at CrossFit in in France, right? You know, Daniel CrossFit Louvre. Let's give him a plug. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Chaffee and and Julian and 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 all the crew over there. They're just an amazing group of individuals. And like I said before, they're just they're a microcosm of this larger community. I got to stand with these people in front of the French affiliate community and just say, like, dude, you guys are great. And what you're doing is fantastic. And I got to do that in France and I got to do it in Spain and in Germany and Brazil and all these countries around the world. And it's just like, that's pretty awesome. Being able to like go out and thank people for like what they're doing for health and wellness and making people's lives better. And like, to me, that was, that was a lot. It wasn't signing the Reebok deal or, you know, oh, there was one time where a guy got grinded it out grinded it out in the 2010 CrossFit Games. 
I've been trying to get a flyover for the games for all these years, right? And <laughs> finally, one of my buddies was an F-18 pilot and he just had the connections and getting a flyover for an event, especially when it was as small as it was in 2010, where no one really knew what the CrossFit Games was. That was a great moment where I was standing there on, uh, you know, VHF and I see the I see the birds probably three, five miles out, and they were right on target, right on time, finishing that national anthem, and they went right over the top of the stadium. And I got goosebumps right now. It was just America. Awesome. It was just freaking awesome. And honestly, like I called in close air support, like real jets on real situations. <laughs> and that was awesome because you had this whole cross the community I had no idea it was coming. That was that was a pretty high moment actually. Now that I think about it, yeah, it's fun. That's great. All right, so last last question for you is, what advice do you have for our next generation? I mean, I know you got a bunch of kids running around your house, and I know you think about this kind of stuff as well. You've taken a, a career in service of different kinds, service in the Marine Corps service to community building, to, to getting people part of a community healthier, more active, all these kinds of things. What's your advice to anybody who sees your story and says, well, I, I kind of want to do that or something like that? Yeah. Well, I've, I've said it before, but I really believe and I tell my kids this and whatever you get, what you give in life, just give, like give, give, give. You'll be a better person for it. The community will thrive because of it. And you'll feel good about what you're doing. Um, so give, you know, I get asked to speak at Semper Fi Bowls and things like that to young athletes. Coming up soon, Harvard Business School, I'm sure. Yeah, right, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, honestly, though, I like being like a behind the scenes kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like just making things happen. So like, yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but who knows, man. You know, but I, I think that like some of the, some of the greatest lessons I was, you know, from my career and, 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 and being in the military, one of the biggest things and the Marine Corps says some, something very similar. Um, but it's like, you know, run to the guns, you know, like you got to run to the guns and what that means in my mind, whether you take this as a young, a young buck, just trying to contribute to the local high school or community or your business person, or you're, you're an entrepreneur or you're a family person, or you are a military leader, just like run to the guns. And what's that mean? Like put yourself where the friction points are in whatever it is. If it's your family, put yourself where that friction point is and make decisions and, and, and solutions. You know, you can't, you can't do things from sitting in the back seat. You gotta go and you gotta get out and you gotta expose yourself and and get in a position where you can make true change, whatever that is. Don't be afraid to do it and and go for it. And you know, we encourage our kids to do it. I've got five kiddos and whatever it is, it's just like challenge yourself, expose yourself. It's okay to get there and and give it a shot and fail, but I want you gotta be there to do it, you know, like. You just got to do it. And, and nowadays, I just don't see that happening. You know, I don't see it as much, you know, and, and people don't expose themselves. And it's, it's, all, a, it's all a fake facade on, on, on Instagram and social media and whatnot. And just people aren't 
willing to go and fix things and, and do what's right, you know? Run to the guns. Run to the guns. That's awesome. You got anything, you got anything, Rich? That's it. Uh, uh, you know, the, as I've listened to you go through your, your processes in life, I heard the transition, because we all talk about leadership, but I heard the transition that you made to add not just leadership, but mentorship. And, and there's, there's a difference between the two. You can be a leader without being a mentor, but to be a really good leader, you need to be a mentor also. And what that means is you take your, all of the experiences that you've had in life, all the things that people have taught you from, from schools to, to whatever it might be, to, to just normal life, and you pass that on to those around you to make them better because the, the ultimate creed, if you will, of any leader is to build more leaders. Mm-hmm. That's your job. That's your real job as a leader. Yeah, you're going to lead people, but you need to, to transition people and help them become leaders themselves. And you do that through mentorship. By becoming involved in whatever it is you do, and you become the mentor to those around you that are like-minded, that want to be involved in what you're doing, you become that mentor. And it doesn't mean you just get old, although sometimes it does mean you get old. But, <laughs> but, but you can be a mentor at any age, and I think you've proven that uh, throughout your career, throughout your life. And, and a lot of people don't think about that, but I think that's a very important thing to do. Yeah, You move to those friction points, whatever you're talking about, and you become a mentor to help those around. It doesn't mean you solve every problem all by yourself, but you solve problems by teams and you mentor the team. Amen to that. You nailed it. You know, yeah, I, Rich, that's like so spot on. And that's like, I, I pride myself in it. And, uh, you know, coaching a local wrestling team or whatever, like just to be able to have that engagement with a young kiddo and to... Yeah, touch their life in a way that they haven't, you know, like they might not have that mentorship is, is something I, I enjoy and pride myself in. So never really looked at it that way, but like, man, you nailed the, nailed it right on the head, you know, full disclosure. I, you know, I missed a lot of this stuff, you know, in my deployments and everybody's story is different and everything. And it's all a timing thing, but like I missed serving um, a bunch and I just recently rejoined the reserves. You know, and I have this amazing opportunity to join the reconnaissance community. I don't have the reconnaissance in OS yet, you know, but it's a new challenge for me. I love being around Marines. I love serving with Marines. Um, and so when I got the opportunity to join Fourth Force and I met some of the individuals, the overachievers over there, I was like, man, I have to be a part of this. And so, you know it's time for me to like get back up on the saddle and start serving again in, in other ways. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do now. So. Well, you're doing something that I, I think we all do and we do it oftentimes without thinking. We continually reinvent ourselves as we move from one phase of our life to another. And it can be a, a, a big move or it can be a small move, but we continually reinvent ourselves looking for new challenges. Then you become your new self. It doesn't mean you do away with what you've been before. It means you build on what you've been before and you are now moving into another phase. Yes. I love that. All right, Jimmy. We love you, man. You got to get back to your five kids before your wife starts to hate me too. Yeah. I mean, I can, on the other side of these doors, I can hear like the Minions movie going off. Um, 
and kids wrestling out there. It's uh, it was it was really great chatting. You know, we've been no stranger to a couple late night jam sessions as well on yeah. the road here and there, and I look forward to doing that again very soon. Yeah, thank you guys. Same here. All right, so that was part two with Jimmy Letchford. We got a little bit more into the transition to CrossFit, community building, the, certainly the way of life based on his time in the Marine Corps. What'd you think, Rich? Again, it was a continuation of that life of service for Jimmy. He left the Marine Corps, separated from the Marine Corps, and then got into a little corporate work. Uh, you could tell by the way he talked about it that the corporate world really wasn't for him. The way he didn't talk about it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a better way to put it. <laughs> and, and that's true for, for so many of us. Uh, the corporate world, while, while it needs to exist, and it should, and, and people excel at it, for those of us that have, have been through or hammered on the anvil, if you will, it's, it's often not a good fit. And so his transition to finding something that he could really get behind, in this case, it was CrossFit. You could still hear in the background the love of Marine Corps, the love of his Marines, the love of the overall system, the, the military system, if you will. It was there. Because even when he was talking about the CrossFit games and, and the flyover, I mean, we're all getting goosebumps about that, that shit. And it's just like, yeah, I got it. He made a good transition. And he, he got into something that he could really support and get behind. And he took that enthusiasm that he had previously and shifted it to another venue. Yeah. And I think it, it's a struggle that many of us have been through on the the family, service, business, life, marriage, all of that realm, right? I haven't met Jimmy's wife yet, but I, I just, Jimmy really loves his wife. Absolutely. And, and, and his family. And not that others don't. I just, I mean, you, you got the, it was like it broke his heart in a way to leave the Marine Corps. But he didn't see that going a route that would have been good for his family. That's a really hard decision to make. Yes, it is. It's it's heart wrenching, yeah. very literally. And it's basically choosing between two families. Yes, and that's really hard sometimes. Yeah, and and you know, Jimmy and I have we met at the games about a year ago, and then have run into each other several times at various events uh, along the way. And I mean, we're no strangers to sort of, hey, here's our case of beer in the hotel after everyone else has gone to bed type of stuff. Go. And we just stayed up and, and bullshitted. And he, I mean, there is just a sense with him, a, a love of people and communities. And he's one of those people you, you meet and you just end up wanting to spend more time around. And, and that is in essence, a perfect community builder. So we talked a little bit about this, but the idea of, Hey, you, you have to be nice. You have to be, and he, he learned that the hard way when he was going through the, the basic school. No matter how hard charged, no matter how gung-ho, no, no matter how right you are, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? You know, there you go. We, we, many of us face that every day, right? <laughs> you want to be right or you want to be married? And, and with, with Jimmy, it's just, there's this love of, of the community that he's a part of, and, and he's just done it right. Well, he learned team building early on. How do you build a team? You build it through trust and honesty and respect and loyalty. And he learned to do that. 
And then listening to him talk about his time as the, the director of international CrossFit, that was great because it was just, I, that brought out so many other questions. I just like to sit down and drink a beer and talk to him about, you know, okay, when you went to Brazil, what was, what did you see as the differences between CrossFit there and, and elsewhere? Or were there, were there differences? Were they doing the same thing? Yeah, we'll, we'll have Jimmy yeah, back yeah. for that one. You, oh, can, yeah. you know, this is, this yeah. is our podcast, Rich. You can ask him any damn question you want whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> but you could hear in his voice the enthusiasm and the true feeling that he had for doing that particular job. Uh, and that's, that, that's when, you're, when you're listening to somebody that truly knows how to build teams and lead. And that's great to hear. And I, it, it's, he had just a, a great story throughout that process. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our time with, with Jimmy. We'll figure out another way to bring him back on at some point. Rich, Rich still has a lot more questions for him. So, Absolutely. Um, so that's a wrap on the, the community building CrossFit side of his career in this episode. We thank you for listening and have a good one.